Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel really good about. Um, knowing what each guy brings, and and um, hey, there's a reason Paul George is Paul George. You know, I mean, I think that that's a great credit to him. I mean, he he gets every diff, most difficult assignment. He scores twice in the post, and you change matchups and try somebody else, and then he scores again, and you change it again. And there's a reason there there's certain guys that are at an elite level, right? And and I think that um, you know. We've got a lot of young guys that aspire to be really good players, and a big part of that is being a very good player every night. The Celtics fall, and the winning streak is over. They fall 102-91 to to the Indiana Pacers. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Welcome to the show. I am Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio. I am joined by Sam Packard from WEI. You're probably pretty familiar with his face at this point. And no more mutton chops from last week, so we're, we're improving the beard situation there. Uh, the Celtics are not improving their three-point shooting situation. They lose by 11 tonight. They shot 4 for 24 from downtown. We'll get to that, but first got to talk about Paul George. Paul George is a very good basketball player who I think just kind of like just like with the Derrick Rose injury a few years back when everyone that's an NBA fan saw that injury that happened to him where he snapped his leg in half all of us kind of it was kind of like a day of mourning and he came back less than a year later looked a little bit rusty this season he is back to Paul George he is one of the as Steven said he's one of the best players in the NBA it's definitely true absolutely we saw glimpses of what he could do last year he wasn't all the way there he's back he's probably top 10 player in the league and he showed it tonight no matter who the Celtics threw at him he was making shots and it was especially big at the Celtics went on an 11-2 run to open up the third uh, quarter Um, Vogel called a timeout Paul George came back and basically led an entire run knocking down two threes and just tied the game and there's really nothing the Celtics could do he was making difficult shots and the Celtics couldn't make any of their shots. You know, I'll give the Celtics credit for one thing. They did a good job in not letting him attack the rim. Most of his points tonight were coming from like fadeaway 20-footers, pull-up three, stuff like that. Jay Crowder was tough on him, but Jay Crowder had five fouls in this game. I know one of them came on a reach-in on a weak side drive. Other came with an offensive foul that frankly didn't make a lot of sense from my angle at least. I'm going to throw in a bow though. But with Crowder and foul trouble, you had guys like Evan Turner covering Paul George who Frankly, did a pretty decent job on him, actually. I mean, he was able to stay in front of him, but there's, you know, Paul George at 6, I mean, 10, is that what he is now? I mean, he's pretty huge for a small forward. You put anyone under 6'10 on him, and he's going to be able to shoot over them pretty easily. But the thing is, they were switching, with the type of defense they were playing, they were switching a lot of pick and rolls, so there's, Rogier had time on him. Yep. 
Uh, just a lot of any guard. Smart had time on him, and there's nothing they could do. And another player who hurt them again, which is bizarre to me, Jordan Hill. <laughs> beat them in Indiana and wiped the floor with them here. And just if Jordan Hill's going to beat you, then there's really nothing you can do. And I was thinking as the game was going on, oh, the Celtics might get back into it. Yep. They're just letting Jordan Hill do things. Eventually, they're going to get back into it. And it just never happened. So I didn't. I don't know what more the Celtics could do uh, on the defensive end. And on the offensive end, it's about making shots, and they just didn't do that tonight. Yeah, the funny thing was, I was tweeting in the first half that Jordan Hill looks like he's already retired. He was, like, watching balls bounce on the ground in front of him, wasn't diving for them while Marcus Smart is diving around him. Uh, he was The only thing he was trying on was really defensive rebounding. And then, I don't know what Vogel said to him at halftime, but he came out guns blazing in the second half. He had one unbelievable, uh, like, uh, low post move. I think Lee must have been guarding him on this one, where he kind of, like, double jab faked and then spun over the middle, hit a nice little kind of float jump hook and that's the kind of stuff that he flashed that people were comparing him to Chris Bosch when he came into the league out of Arizona obviously not that player but yeah. you, you see flashes of it uh, but the fact that he was able to get going was kind of a real twisting the knife moment for the Celtics and CJ Miles also had a big night tonight he had uh, what 17 and most of them are coming he pretty a, early in the game he had 11 in the first quarter yeah. and there, another reason um, why Hill was important in the second quarter we saw a little bit of Hakamahimi I know, which right? Which I was surprised with. Hakayan. Hakayan, and it worked. He was uh, didn't really make any of his free throws, and it wasn't a strategy I thought was going to happen coming into the game. But he didn't play as many minutes in the second half because Jordan Hill was that big for Indiana that was getting them that low post scoring. So the Celtics just didn't have it tonight on either end of the floor. It wasn't pretty. Um, I think the Celtics are a little bit at a loss for words after tonight's game. They're kind of at the point where obviously pointing to the fact that they can't hit a three at least consistent. They can't go like two games in a row actually hitting their threes reliably. That's obviously killing them. But uh, one interesting thing was Jared Solinger, who had 11 rebounds tonight, had a really crucial rebound in the fourth quarter where he threw off, I think, was Lavoy Allen, boxed him out, grabbed the loose ball rebound, tossed it to Amir Johnson, who got the bucket. He was the one that actually called the team out for their rebounding problems. They're going up against a pretty, you know, not a team that doesn't really have any dominant rebounders. I mean, Paul George had 10 tonight. He's their power forward. Jan Mahimi only had two rebounds, uh, and then Jordan Hill at eight. But they're not exactly a good rebounding team. But Solinger felt that they really failed themselves rebounding tonight. And it wasn't. It wasn't something I noticed during the game, but when he said it, I kind of thought back and and looking at this box score now. Other than Sollinger, there's no one really with any... David Lee was the next highest with six rebounds. Mm -hmm. No one else really did anything, and that's going to be a problem for the team all season because Jared Sollinger is their best rebounder. I was actually kind of surprised. You think Amir Johnson's going to play that role, but he only had, what was it, 13 minutes tonight. So it's just the kind of the continuous problems. It was a kind of a classic Celtics loss. All right, well, before we come back for part two, we're going to hear about the new show on CLNS Radio with Celtics Beat Unplugged from Harris Rubenstein. We'll be right back on the Garn Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog, powered by Grandstand. Hello, everyone. My name is Harris Rubenstein, and if there's one thing that I've learned while I've been at school is that the Internet has completely changed the sports media industry. You know, any schmuck with a camera and a script can make their own podcast, but what they don't have is that dedication and passion that you fans deserve. One person that I know with that dedication is Larry H. Russell, or as you Celtics beat podcasters know him as LHR. We're proud to announce that him and I are starting a brand new show. So when you combine a sports-crazed college broadcaster and a Celtics aficionado, well, things just might get a little unfiltered.
Well, you know, I, I feel really good about um, knowing what each guy brings. And, and um, hey, there's a reason Paul George is Paul George. You know, I mean, I think that that's a great credit to him. I mean, he, he gets every diff, most difficult assignment. He scores twice in the post, and you change matchups and try somebody else, and then he scores again, and you change it again. And there's a reason there, there's certain guys that are at an elite level, right? And, and I think that, um, you know, we've got a lot of young guys that aspire to be really good players, and a big part of that is being a very good player every night. The Celtics fall and the winning streak is over. They fall 102 to 91 to the Indiana Pacers. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Welcome to the show. I am Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio. I am joined by Sam Packard from WEI. You're probably pretty familiar with his face at this point. And no more mutton chops from last week, so we're, we're improving the beard situation there. Uh, the Celtics are not improving their three-point shooting situation. They lose by 11 tonight. They shot four for 24 from downtown. We'll get to that, but first got to talk about Paul George. Paul George is a very good basketball player who I think just kind of like, just like with the Derrick Rose injury a few years back when everyone that's an NBA fan saw that injury that happened to him where he snapped his leg in half. All of us kind of, it was kind of like a day of mourning. And he came back less than a year later, looked a little bit rusty. This season, he is back to Paul George. He is one of the, as Steven said, he's one of the best players in the NBA. It's definitely true. Absolutely. We saw glimpses of what he could do last year. He wasn't all the way there. He's back. He's probably top 10 player in the league. And he showed it tonight. No matter who the Celtics threw at him, he was making shots. And it was especially big at... The Celtics went on an 11-2 run to open up the third uh, quarter. Yeah. Um, Vogel called a timeout, and Paul George came back and basically led an entire run, knocking down two threes and just tied the game. And there's really nothing the Celtics could do. He was making difficult shots, and the Celtics couldn't make any of their shots. You know, I'll give the Celtics credit for one thing. They did a good job of not letting him attack the rim. Most of his points tonight were coming from like fadeaway 20 footers, pull up three, stuff like that. Jay Crowder was tough on him, but Jay Crowder had five fouls in this game. I know one of them came on a reach in on a weak side drive, other came with an offensive foul that frankly didn't make a lot of sense from my angle at least. I'm going to throw in a bow though. But with Crowder in foul trouble, you had guys like Evan Turner covering Paul George, who frankly did a pretty decent job on him actually. I mean, he was able to stay in front of him, but there's, you know, Paul George at six. I mean, 10, is that what he is now? I mean, he's pretty huge for a small forward. You put anyone under 6'10 on him, and he's going to be able to shoot over them pretty easily. But the thing is, they were switching, with the type of defense they were playing, they were switching a lot of pick and rolls. So there's Rogier had time on him. Yep. Uh, just a lot of any guard smart had time on him, and there's nothing they could do. And another player who hurt them again, which is bizarre to me, Jordan Hill. Beat them in Indiana and wipe the floor with them here. And just, if Jordan Hill's going to beat you, then there's really nothing you can do. And I was thinking as the game was going on, oh, the Celtics might get back into it. Yep. They're just letting Jordan Hill do things. Eventually, they're going to get back into it. And it just never happened. So I didn't, I don't know what more the Celtics could do uh, on the defensive end. And on the offensive end, it's about making shots. And they just didn't do that tonight. You know, the funny thing was, I was tweeting in the first half that Jordan Hill looks like he's already retired. He was, like, watching balls bounce on the ground in front of him, wasn't diving for them while Marcus Smart is diving around him. Uh, he was The only thing he was trying on was really defensive rebounding. And then I don't know what Vogel said to him at halftime, but he came out guns blazing in the second half. He had one unbelievable, uh, like, uh, low post move. I think Lee must have been guarding him on this one, where he kind of, like, double jab faked and then spun over the middle, hit a nice little kind of flow 
exploding jump hook. And that's the kind of stuff that he flashed. People were comparing him to Chris Bosh when he came into the league out of Arizona. Obviously not that player, but yeah. you, you see flashes of it. Uh, but the fact that he was able to get going is kind of a real twisting the knife moment for the Celtics. And C.J. Miles also had a big night tonight. He had, uh, what, 17, and most of them are coming he pretty early a, in the game. He had 11 in the first quarter, yeah. and there, another reason um, why Hill was important, in the second quarter we saw a little bit of Hakamahimi. I know, which right? Which I was surprised with. Hakayan? Hakayan, and it worked. He was uh, didn't really make any of his free throws. And it wasn't a strategy I thought was going to happen coming into the game. But he didn't play as many minutes in the second half because Jordan Hill was that big for Indiana that was getting them that low post scoring. So the Celtics just didn't have it tonight on either end of the floor. It wasn't pretty. Um, I think the Celtics are a little bit at a loss for words after tonight's game. They're kind of at the point where obviously pointing to the fact that they can't hit a three at least consistent. They can't go like two games in a row actually hitting their threes reliably. That's obviously killing them. But uh, one interesting thing was Jared Solinger, who had 11 rebounds tonight, had a really crucial rebound in the fourth quarter where he threw off, I think, was Lavoy Allen, boxed him out, grabbed the loose ball rebound, tossed it to Amir Johnson, who got the bucket. He was the one that actually called the team out for their rebounding problems. They're going up against a pretty, you know, not a team that doesn't really have any dominant rebounders. I mean, Paul George had 10 tonight. He's our power forward. Jan Mahimi only had two rebounds, uh, and then Jordan Hill at eight. But they're not exactly a good rebounding team. But Solinger felt that they really failed themselves rebounding tonight. And it wasn't. It wasn't something I noticed during the game, but when he said it, I kind of thought back and and looking at this box score now. Other than Sullinger, there's no one really with any... David Lee was the next highest with six rebounds. Mm -hmm. No one else really did anything, and that's going to be a problem for the team all season because Jared Sullinger is their best rebounder. I was actually kind of surprised. You think Amir Johnson's going to play that role, but he only had, what was it, 13 minutes tonight. So it's just the kind of the continuous problems. It was a kind of a classic Celtics loss. All right, well, before we come back for part two, we're going to hear about the new show on CLNS Radio with Celtic Speed Unplugged from Harris Rubenstein. We'll be right back on the Garn Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog, powered by Grandstand. Hello, everyone. My name is Harris Rubenstein, and if there's one thing that I've learned while I've been at school is that the Internet has completely changed the sports media industry. You know, any schmuck with a camera and a script can make their own podcast, but what they don't have is that dedication and passion that you fans deserve. One person that I know with that dedication is Larry H. Russell, or as you Celtics beat podcasters know him as LHR. We're proud to announce that him and I are starting a brand new show. So when you combine a sports-crazed college broadcaster and a Celtics aficionado, well, things just might get a little unfiltered. Uh, Brad, I asked you before the game about the foul shooting. In the fourth quarter, you guys didn't even take a free throw. Was that a matter of just settling or turning it over? Or? Well, I thought we were trying to get in the paint, but we were doing it pretty haphazardly. Um, I just didn't think we got we had any anything good going offensively um, um, after the you know eight minute mark of the fourth quarter, and I thought that was that was really hard for us. And, and you know we were chipping away and coming back into it. We started off the third quarter great. Um, and then, you know, they were – Paul George made Paul George plays coming out of the timeout. And um, we didn't respond to their run at all. Evan Turner with a pretty efficient night. I mean, did you sense a little bit more juice in him coming into a game against his former team? I mean, do you believe in any of that kind of stuff? I, I think you'd have to ask him that. I mean, I don't think he's – 
I think he's a prideful guy, but I don't think he's like, you know, vindictive guy. So I would say that, um, you know, he just wants to play well because he's a prideful basketball player. Um, and the reality is he knows that this is a business and that very few guys play on one team their whole career. So, um, you know, he's just trying to play well and he, he did play really well. He was, you know, he was certainly a um, shining spot for us on both ends. Brad, what did you see? It meant that during that last seven minutes, I think there were like seven turnovers and obviously some some missed shots. What did you see that was well, kind of going on? Well, I think you know, I, I, if I would have had to do over again, probably would have called a little bit more. We felt like we had some transition opportunities that closed out pretty closed up pretty quickly. Uh, I felt like we were actually getting into the paint a little bit, but then you know they just swarmed us. So um, you know, we just need to be more efficient in that moment. Start of the game, end of the game, both not very good. RJ, or Coach, yeah. when I ask you about RJ and, and Terry, and you played those guys together a little more extensively earlier in the game than maybe we've seen in the past. Talk about what you saw in those guys in the minutes that they got tonight. Twofold, I trust them, number one. Number two is smart, you know, hadn't done anything in a week. And Avery was out. Um, was Marcus pretty much predictably pretty rusty out there? You have to ask him. I thought he. I thought he did some good things. Um, from a, you know, obviously he got to the foul line in that run at the end of the se- end of the second quarter. But um, he 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 looked rusty. I thought, um, but that's to be expected. The bad part is in this, you know, in this league, you don't get a couple days of practice before you have to play. I mean, it's basically games, or you know, you know, you can you figure out different ways to get your rust out. But um, you know. He was. I think he feels good, which is a good good sign moving forward. Brad, it seemed like they were forcing Isaiah to kind of freelance, and you know, they forced him to make a lot of decisions and, and force things. Did you sense that? I thought they just really they really clamped down on him. They really closed the lanes on him, and they forced us to make some shots, and we didn't. You know, and and at the same time, I think that we can do a better job of. You know, making one extra pass off one extra screen and one extra part of execution to to get better shots, and that's that's I've got to do a better job of calling them. You know, I, I let I I saw a couple of plays in transition that I thought would be good opportunities and just didn't call anything. Brett, one more. Um, is this going to be the, how the until teams figure things out and get cohesion? Is this how the East is going to be one night up, maybe next night down with so many evenly balanced teams? It's a good team. I mean, I think Indiana's good, and I think they've got one of the best players in the NBA, and then they've got another guy that's a, you know, a closer in the NBA in Ellis. Um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that this is a good team that's giving us fits. I mean, I, I think that they're going to give a lot of people fits. Brad, um, last week after the loss to the Spurs, you said that you guys just couldn't throw the ball into the ocean. Tonight you're 4 of 24 from three-point range. Do you think that's kind of the same deal tonight? Um, I, I think that our I thought that our offensive execution was better in that game than it was tonight. But I'll go back and look and figure that out. Um, you know, we had a lot of we had some some probably some more random lineups because of the need to switch because they really exposed us early um, with their skill um, when you know at this very start of the game. So um, you know we need to figure we need to figure out a a way to be more productive when we play those lineups on offense. Coach, uh, just following up a little bit on Gary and what I asked you at practice the other day about consistency. Um, I think you kind of talked about it when you're scrambling for a lineup the way they were. 
Well, you know, I, I feel really good about um, knowing what each guy brings. And, and um, hey, there's a reason Paul George is Paul George. You know, I mean, I think that that's a great credit to him. I mean, he, he gets every diff, most difficult assignment. He scores twice in the post, and you change matchups and try somebody else, and then he scores again, and you change it again. And there's a reason there, there's certain guys that are at an elite level, right? And, and I think that, um, you know, we've got a lot of young guys that aspire to be really good players, and a big part of that is being a very good player every night. Maze the way he's come back. Um, not from what I've heard about his work ethic. So I would say that, you know, but it's credit to him. He's come back, he's come back as good as, as he left. Brad, you ran a lot of plays early in the game to get the th open threes on the right elbow. Are you trying to run plays to get open threes early in the game to try to establish that? Well, we're just trying to take the right shot. And, you know, every one of our actions and options would start at the rim. Um, but the rim gets, you know, gets congested if you're not making shots. Um, and these guys did a great job of protecting the rim, being physical without fouling on some of our drives, and all of those types of things. They they really did a a, a great job on us. You know, I thought that we had a couple of spurts in the game that felt really good, but I thought scoring was a grind tonight. There were Timberland boots in the summertime, which I don't get. But. Let's get to the interview. Evan, any extra motivation for you out there tonight? About what? Playing against the former team. Oh, no, I honestly don't care, to tell you the truth. You know, I wanted to uh, have a good rhythm, uh, help my team out, and, uh, you know, try to win. Um, I only played for the Pacers for like two months, and, uh, I mean, that was it, you know. Uh, I don't have anything to prove or anything like that. I, I know myself. and. You know, I'm, um, and I said, I don't have any ups, like anything upset about now. You guys had like seven turnovers down the stretch. Yeah. Two points in the last four minutes. What, you know, what sort of thing? Uh, we didn't take, the ball, take care of the ball. I think we kind of rushed a little bit. Um, I think, you know, we kind of did a few of them back to back to back. And we had to take, um, we passed the shots we should have took, which kind of bit us, you know, bit us a little bit. Um, I think we just had to really, you know, Trusting our shots, trusting the plays, and take the right take the right shot. Sometimes pass up a wide open shot. It's gonna hurt the team more than taking a selfish one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you guys looked so good last night, and then struggling tonight. Is it just kind of how it's gonna be when you're kind of trying to figure things out? Nah, you know, obviously the team got rolling. I think one thing that occurred that uh, we kind of did last night. We have a team down. We can't relax. You know, we we went up seven. And uh, we did a few mistakes, and uh, then we on a run and felt great from there. You know, I think four minutes, four minutes left, we were down three. You know, and I think we, we uh, you know, got to step up and score and also um, stop people. You have some great players, make some tough shots. You know, when it comes to passing up those shots for guys, is that just a matter of guys needing to keep their confidence up despite off shooting nights? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to, you know, you got to shoot the ones that are wide open. You know, what I'm saying at the same time as guards, we got to. Take care of the ball and um, execute plays. And you know, once again, we just gotta keep our composure. What's the biggest challenge with a guy like Paul George when he gets it going? Um, you know, obviously he's a good shooter. I mean, he's a great shooter. So, you know, Bogle trusts him a lot. Uh, Coach Bogle has a lot of great plays to draw up. You know, anytime you give a guy like that room to ISO, room to work, it's gonna be tough. And um, you know, he went on a little roll, and um, they were tough shots. He just went in. So, this was a game where. Uh, your rookies, RJ and, and Terry, they saw some, you know, extended minutes. They just 
just your impressions of what you saw out of those guys? I mean, I like them. I mean, I think they've been, you know, working really hard. You know, they work really, really hard. You know, show up early, stay late. Uh, you know, I think they deserve time on the floor to, um, you know, play. And I think they work hard enough to play well, you know. And they came in and uh, they gave us a left. And, you know, I know, you know, RJ, once he gets going, he, he, he can really score. And Terry always plays tough. And I think uh, more minutes, they'll be, they'll be, they'll get even better. I mean, you guys had a ton of turnovers, just like one basket. Yeah, it just looks for whatever reason. I haven't seen the film yet, but uh, but it looks like we didn't have any flow. Kind of uh, that whole fourth quarter just kind of seemed like it. Um, like yeah, there wasn't a lot of flow, and there was just sort of you know uh, shots weren't going in. And we had some turnovers there, and anytime that happens, the other teams hitting shots, you know it can, it can start to snowball, and that's what it did. This was the first time the second unit really struggled a little bit. What were they doing to take you guys out of your offense? Uh, what quarter are you referring to? You know, most of the second half. Oh, most of the second half. Ah, I mean, uh, well, overall, I mean, I just thought we, I, I thought actually in the third quarter, I thought we got a lot of uh, really good shots at it. Um, we got a lot of open shots, and, and you know, we're four for 21 at one point from three. So um, I felt like you know we had some shots that normally go in um, that, that weren't going in. And, we were fighting on the other end, but you know it takes a lot of air out of you. You know when you have open, really good shots, they don't go in. How much did Jay Crowder's foul trouble hurt you guys, especially with Paul George? He's our best option, a guard. You know, a Paul George style player, and, and uh, you know Jay really takes a lot of pride in that. And he had a couple tough calls go against him tonight, but you know, that's the NBA. You're going to have nights where you know you have you get some tough calls, and, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And that's when other guys need to step up and. And uh, Paul's a very good player, but uh, you know, like I guess said Jay's our best option to guard him, and it was tough not having him in there. You had a real nice run there at the end of the first quarter, start of the second. Are you starting to feel getting get to a little bit of a rhythm here? Yeah, these last three, four games, uh, I feel like I have my rhythm back now uh, after a slow start um, on both ends, and, and just feel like I'm I'm not tired out there you know, catching up. I feel like I've, I've caught my wind, and and the ball's starting to go in the basket. And um, like I said, I'm just going to try to play my minutes to the best and and try to earn more minutes. You said like you felt you were tired. Did you feel you didn't come into camp in great shape or? Well, no, I mean, I just had a, a shortened summer for mm -hmm. a good reason. Um, but but no, I felt like I was in good shape, but just also keep in mind, you know, last year, there were times when I didn't play a whole lot of basketball. So uh, just getting used to playing, playing stretches again and, and uh, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, but no, I, I Feel really good now. You got sick twice. Was that one of those things that you didn't feel better? It's yeah, I mean, I had missed a couple games during the preseason as well, but no excuses. Um, didn't have the best start to the the first three or four games, but feel like I'm in a really good rhythm now and and ready to to uh, you know ready to, to to be out there playing and and, and helping our team. Coach Stevens went with the rookie backcourt along with you and Amir. What did Terry and RJ show you tonight? Well, I mean, they didn't show me anything I hadn't already seen. They're very uh, you know they're they're guys that both play hard and and. Have a lot of experience, although they're young guys, you know. Um, you know, I think they they have a great basketball IQ out there, and they and they you know do a good job. RJ, you know, is, is a guy that can hit shots, and Terry's really really fast with the ball. So I trust both those guys being on the floor with them, and, and I thought they did a good job again tonight. Thanks, dude. Do you have that shirt made for yourself? No, so this is a Jordan shirt. How frustrating were those just final seven minutes, just all the miscues? Just, you know, it kind of boils down to the first, what, I want to say 30, 36 minutes. Um, 
we didn't rebound in basketball. And they got a lot of open shots. We got we got guys going um, just because uh, we didn't rebound the basketball well. And uh, I think, you know, there's two games now. We played the Pacers, and, and they kicked our ass on the, on the offensive glass. And, and we just got to do better as a team. Is that the way? Is that just the guards coming to help out? No, 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 no. Like, it's a team it? thing. It's a team thing. I can't I can't say it's Isaiah's fault, it's Avery's fault, it's smart. No, it's a team thing. I mean, there's five guys out there playing basketball, and um, it's a team thing. We just got to have that grit, that grind, and to understand that, um, you know, there's times where we're small out there, and, there's, and, there's, and for us to win basketball games, we got to do the little things. Do you think it's a matter of successfully boxing out the opponent, or just? Uh, it's just having more more um, aggression to get the ball. You know, there's a lot of times where we had the ball, and uh, as we're bringing it down, somebody's popping it out of our hands, uh, me included. And uh, we just got we got to be more aggressive. We got to be understand and treat the ball like gold, and understand don't let nobody take your your, your cookies. No pun intended. Right, yeah, you said it, to stand prepared. I think I said it every time I talk to you guys. So you just never know what it's going to be. So, you know, in timeouts or anything, just trying to keep myself engaged. I'm not on the court. How much has the speed of the game changed for you? Um, yeah, I think every game it gets slower. Uh, still not slowed down, I don't think, because on defense my head's spinning. But um, it definitely slows down, and I'm getting more comfortable. So like I always said, once you get more comfortable, a lot of things help out. Seven rebounds, RJ. Is that a part of your game we didn't know? Yeah, yeah. My coaches are killing me today. They're like, "Is that career high, life high?" <laughs> I had a couple. I had a couple ten game rebounds in college, but um, again, I was. I think a lot of it yesterday was just the bigs kind of getting the guys out, and you know, I was kind of just reading the rebounds and being in the right spot. How many phone calls you got? Um, not a lot, honestly. I honestly, I'm, I'm off social media now, so not a lot of people are getting to me now. So I, I got a new phone and I'm just kind of keeping it. All of it. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. I'm done with it. Yeah. Is there a reason for I did it last season. And I thought it helped out just, and especially now when, when you're hot, you know, Twitter's on you. When you're down, Twitter's killing you. So <laughs> I need balance in my life, and that's not it. So I'm off of it. You know, I just look at it after a good night and not look at it after a bad night. Nah, nah, because then you're on one side of the spectrum. I'm trying to stay even killed with a lot of stuff. RJ, you're part of the big uh, run in the third quarter. Um, came in. What was the key to your uh, kind of success, especially on the defensive end as a team? Yeah, um, I just think it's energy. You know, just as a young guy, I'm always, you know, my adrenaline's always going as a rookie. So I just come in and bring natural energy and just defend it. And I think um, we had a great push in there. And it wasn't just me. All the guys that came in really helped in. And uh, I thought they really was huge in that, too. Do you do anything differently scheme-wise or switching up more pick roles? Or just uh, no, I think it's the same schemes. I think. Um, it's just an extra push. I mean, the starters play a lot of minutes, so I think just naturally it kind of plateaus. So we just come in with an extra push. Some young guys, even even guys who were shooters in college, will sometimes be a little trigger shy, you know, when they're playing around veterans. You had mm -hmm. that here a couple of years ago with more of a veteran team. Is that a thing where you have to keep telling yourself to, to take those shots, or do you just take them naturally? Uh, yeah, definitely I tell myself, I think, because like you say, you don't want to come in just firing away. But um, I got vets who, when I'm trigger shy, they get on me. So I think that helps a little bit. And I'm getting a lot of easy looks. So my game's simple. And if the shot's there, it is. If it's not, then I make a play in a quick, in, in a split second. So I think my game's pretty easy. Yeah, what did it mean to you? Coach Drew up a play for you coming out of a huddle. After the air ball, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was huge. I thought I wasn't going to see the ball for like two weeks. So after he sent that. 
I saw, I saw ET's face. ET was kind of nuttle, like, why? But uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, that definitely helps. That just, that's a confidence boost when your coach believes in you. George Hill said he's known you since you were about two years old. What yeah. is it like for you to now be playing against him? Yeah, that's unreal because I watched him in high school. He used to average like 43 points. I think he's still like all time in the score. And uh, I was like eight when he was playing in high school, so I'm trying to figure out the math now. But um, I mean, yeah, it's weird. I played against him the other night. I can't tell if he was trying to go at me or if he wasn't trying to go at me. So I think uh, things going to be a little aggressive this time. Terry, Coach Stevens went with an all-rookie backcourt. How did you feel out there? Um, I feel like a little bit of summer league again, a little bit. But, uh, when he kept us out there, me and RJ were just talking like, just come on, turn it up. You know, that's what we try to do, push tempo. And you know, we didn't make shots like we like we wanted to, but you know, just to have this confidence of putting us out there, you know, meant a lot. So we just got to keep working. Terry, uh, coach said he, he trusts you, RJ. What do you think you've done to earn his trust so far? I think practice, showing up every day, just working hard, even though we not uh, wasn't getting the minutes, minutes, you know. So we still come in every day and work hard. Uh, even on off days, and you see that. So you know, we 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 know we got a lot of players on this team. That, that's good. We got a lot of veterans. So you know, we're trying to find our minutes, and at the same time, we just keep working. How did you feel running the offense? I feel pretty good. You know, I just still got to get more comfortable. Uh, get back in the gym and just work on my shot. Uh, I feel more comfortable in preseason, not you know shooting the ball. So I just got to get back to that. And, you know, just get more reps, basically. Who's it like? Uh, Garden Monte, he's a guy that's tough to cover. Um, yeah, all of them was pretty tough. Uh, Monte, George, George Hill, Paul George, you know, I got a lot of respect for, you know, each one of them players. So, you know, uh, it, was, it was pretty pretty tough. But if you're in the league, that's something that you, you want to take the challenge on. What was breaking down in the second half defensively? Uh, they just ISO, not enough help. You know, they got, you got Marcus Smart guarding a 16 guy, but, you know, he didn't rotate, I didn't think, you know. But uh, you know, he's, he's a great player. You know, he's, he's going to make tough shots. He's going to do what he do. That's what he does. So. Can't, can't do nothing about it that much, so it's tough. You mentioned that you need more reps, but how, how much does film study play a role in getting adjusted to the game and then translating it onto the court when you do get those reps? I mean, film, you know, is, is basically it's probably the, the most thing that you, you want to look at. You know, it's always up for the game. I mean, practice, so you just you want to look and see the difference, see what you're doing wrong, see what you're doing well. You know, you can always learn from it. So, of course, uh, film is important. You talk about getting into a rhythm. It's hard to do if you're not out there on the floor very much. Does this make you kind of want to get back in the gym and get up some more shots? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I live in a gym, so, you know, just want to get back comfortable and, you know, just keep on getting reps up and I think it uh, transforms to the game in the fall. Uh, I think it's more of a comfortable thing. Just get more comfortable, and I, you know, I'll be fine. Uh, but I'm still in the process of doing that, so it'll come. Definitely.